Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Send Us Flowers. I am joined today by Antoinette of Pleasure Peaks. She is the CEO and a total badass. She also wears a few other hats that we're going to jump into. You know I love to always start this episode by sending someone flowers. I always think it's awesome to, you know, send good energy forward and so who are you sending flowers to today to get us to get us started? I love that. I'm sending flowers to uh, my mom. She's amazing. She's like my best friend. Um, I was just getting off the phone with her before this recording, and I love her so much. It's, I miss her, <laughs> so I'd love to send flowers to her. <laughs> That's so. I I am I'm really tight with my mom too. So you know what? It's Valentine's Day. I'm gonna send flowers to my mom too. I actually have to go send her some real mm-hmm. flowers. <laughs> so she she's probably like, where are my actual flowers? <laughs> I love that I got my boyfriend's mom mm-hmm. hooked on cannabis cells lately. We made so much um, cannabis cells over the summer. We really? had like a, a home harvest and making those cells. The family loves them. My, my parents love them. They go so well for over the holidays. So <laughs> flowers for everyone, you know? Yes. No, I love that. Getting, getting the family into cannabis at all is always such like a feat. And I had to really like educate my family over. And um, would you say your family has always been okay with cannabis or is this a new thing? No, for it's definitely new. As they've watched my career, they've grown to see why it's so important. And I'm glad that right. I was able to right. take them on the journey. But in the beginning, they were definitely like, what is going on here? This isn't <laughs> you yeah. know, the smartest or safest opportunity for me or things that I was doing. But I think now they are very grateful that I stuck with it. Yeah, and I bet because you wear, I mean, you wear so many hats. You're the CEO Uh, but you can speak a little bit more towards some of the other amazing things that you do and have done. Yeah, it's been such an amazing time to grow in this cannabis industry. I feel so lucky to have been in the space for almost nine years now, which is crazy to think about, Um, and and see drug policy grow um, globally. But being in Canada, I think it was really interesting to see how difficult it was to be an entrepreneur getting involved in the cannabis industry. Um, So naturally, I just went to the U.S. because U.S. is always open for business, as they say. And um, there was so much community (laughs) down there uh, for women, like from organizations Mm -hmm. like Women Grow, which I used to be the director of Canada at. Right. And, um, you know, uh, Minorities for Medical Marijuana, which I'm the director of Canada at currently. Um, so I love that the U.S. is way ahead in terms of community and opportunities for entrepreneurship. So I was happy to launch my business there. I have a CBD pleasure line that I love so much. And um, it's been what I've been using to really raise awareness on these topics, uh, which are so important to me and and why I started Pleasure Peaks today. Yeah. And so how long have you now been leading Pleasure Peak? Yeah, since 2015. Um, So a very long time. Um, Before I was at Pleasure Peaks, I was a holistic nutritionist and I was an intern at a chronic pain clinic. And this clinic had 5,000 patients. It was, it was a really tiny clinic, but tons of patients were constantly walking through these doors. It was tiny. Um, but yeah. it was so eye-opening to see how many patients were self-prescribing cannabis, using cannabis for their chronic pain yeah. ailments. Um, and I mm-hmm. had patients from Crohn's disease um, to MS to um, cancer to fibroids and to endometriosis. And it was just really interesting to see how many chronic pain illnesses just aren't visible and I think that was the most shocking thing yeah. for me at such a young age was to know that there's so many people in pain and you just have no idea about it. You would never yeah. know. And 
I think what was even more shocking as I was learning was that the products that were available on the market today weren't, they, yes, maybe they were effective, but maybe sometimes they had bad side effects. Maybe their, their clinical trials Mm -hmm. weren't fully conclusive. Maybe their clinical trials didn't even include women. You know, a lot of the times I just found so many interesting holes within the healthcare system for, for pain patients, but specifically when it came to sexual health ailments. And that was, you know, the most shocking thing that woman's sexual health is the least funded Mm -hmm. area in the body, least studied area in the body. And I think that's crazy since, you know, that's kind of where life comes from. And the stories that I would hear from my patients were shocking. These were stories where I would hear that people not having sex for years, um, in, in married couples and, you know, feeling that the pain is so excruciating to not even find pleasure in it in it at all, let alone orgasm, right? So yeah. I think that there's, yep. what I would always say is if you don't have a healthy sex life, you don't have a healthy life. And I felt that there was um, something that was being swept under the rug constantly. Because when you look at men's sexual Absolutely. health, there are so many different products on the market. And, um, if you go to the doctor, there's so many different things that you can try. But when it comes to woman's sexual health, mm-hmm. it takes an average of eight years to be diagnosed with endometriosis. So for women, it's constantly like, oh, yeah, oh, it's just your period or, you know, just have a glass of wine or just feel a little bit more comfortable. And those those things are because we have so much stigma around female pleasure in it as a whole. And it, and you know, if you're a person of color, we completely think of pain as a different thing when it comes to healthcare. So I think that there's so right. many things to tackle when it comes to sexual health and let alone the stigma amongst cannabis itself. Um, but with everything that I've witnessed with patients that is really changes their quality of life, whether it treats it directly or not directly, whether it helps them have a more pleasurable life and experience is worth fighting for. And I think that's why I continue to do what I do because majority of these patients are in so much pain that they can't fight for themselves. And it's sad that we haven't dealt with this sooner, especially with how many people it impacts. Millions of people are suffering from these ailments and there's nothing close to Um, treatment on the market. So we're really excited to be at the forefront of this research and development. And it's been eight years in the making, but it's, it's been worth everything. That's incredible. No, that's, I I mean, selfishly, I was really (laughs) looking forward to this episode because I have endometriosis and I, I deal with chronic pain I've dealt with, you know, it took, it did take um, almost 10 years to be diagnosed properly. And um, it actually took two surgeries to be like fully properly diagnosed by a specialist with the right imaging, the right pathology. I mean, and it, it just, the amount of time, the amount of energy and the amount of money that went toward that and is going to have to continue to as I, you know, just continue in life. It's, it's crazy. And the amount of people that, you know, just like, I mean, there's, there's a little bit more info now, a little bit more access now for endometriosis, but not nearly what there should be for, um, you know, people of color, for black women, for, for um, people who are trans, for people who are LGBTQ. I mean, it add all of that on top of then just it already being impossible. There are too many people that are negatively impacted by this in a way that makes their quality of life such that it's, it's almost impossible to actually live. Um, just recently, there was a woman actually who had endometriosis and passed away actually because she couldn't get treatment in time. And by the time she did get treatment, um, the effects and like surgery and everything were so much on her body that she had a heart attack and passed away. And so it's just like, this is not, you know, a casual ailment, chronic pain in it, in and of itself for anything is, is not a casual ailment. And for so long, you know, you look at me, I don't have anything like, you know, super jarring. That's like, Oh my gosh, like she must be in so much pain or whatever. Like, you know, the, the thing actually, I posted a photo once of my bloating. It was um, that, like, you know, because with endo, there aren't a lot of visual signs. 
And so I posted one day of, of not being on my period. It was like almost a flat stomach, which right now I probably don't have. But, <laughs> but um, you know, it was like almost a flat stomach. And then on my period and when I was super inflamed and having a flare up, it was like, you know, just so bloated and like to the point where like people think you almost look pregnant. And um, that was like people were floored. They were like, oh, my gosh, like your body just looks so inflamed. And I had realized I talked about endometriosis for years. That was the only time where I actually felt seen for what I was going through, which was like heartbreaking, but impactful at the same time. And so to have someone who is creating products and advocating for people to have a better quality of life, that's so meaningful to me. And that is like, everything to me and to other people to say, hey, like, there is someone out there who sees us. And there's someone out there who wants to help others manage their symptoms, manage their chronic pain and have, you know, a, a certain quality of life. And that does include your sexual wellness, because like, there are tons of people who won't have sex because it's so painful. And they'll, you know, have other symptoms after sex or, you know, during sex. And then you add in issues like UTIs after and yeast mm -hmm. infections and like, you know, learning these things. You just learn that education and access are the two most critical things because it just it is something that really does impact people. And so, you know, you have you have this incredible company. I, I'd like to talk more about the products that you do have and how those do help the you know the people that they're supposed to help because I think that's incredible. Yeah, thank you. So we can start with Pleasure Peaks. As Pleasure Peaks has been around since 2015, I love that we have um, started in the states because it was a lot more easier to have a cannabinoid business as an entrepreneur, as a smaller business. Um, so we right. started with the hemp CBD line, and we manufacture in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, we have a CBD lubricant. And the reason why we have so many different products, like we have our CBD bath salts and our CBD suppositories, and they all have unique blends as well. They're not just fully just CBD, but they have aphrodisiac blends as well. Right. Um, and oh wow, okay. yeah, I really love that we've included that aspect into a lot of our products because um, we really want to connect that sexual aspect to that product. And um, so with our suppositories, we love that we, we, we launched our product and we launched them as vaginal ovules. And after starting with those cool. vaginal ovules, we got tremendous feedback. People were loving them for pleasure, but also for pain as well. And if you're thinking about how it works, um, we're, we're looking at the, the cannabinoid CBD specifically and how CBD works is it works with in with inflammation. So it's, it gets rid of any inflammation in the area. And if you use Absolutely. a suppository, it's inserted vaginally or anally. So it can really go directly mm -hmm. yeah. to the targeted area and pro provide a really localized relief, which is what I love about suppositories. So you'll feel that relief in yeah. that area. And it's so good, whether you have like tense hips, you know, and you want to really loosen up for yoga to having really bad cramps and wanting to get rid of those muscle spasms. So there's so many different ways how people are using them. And we learned that a lot of the LGBTQ community were actually using our suppositories as well um, for pleasure. And it was really exciting. So we took out the word vaginal and we've really pivoted the company. We've grown so much in so many different ways. And, you know, being inclusive is a huge part of a huge pillar of our brand um, because there's so many different uses to it. Um, so it's been really exciting to learn and something you touched on before it's like it's so much more than endometriosis when it comes to sexual health we're learning um about other ailments yeah. like fibroids and how they're very more common yeah. within um people of color communities and it's, yes 
it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I've heard so many different products and tr- people treating it at the different way, but we don't have as much data on that as we do with endo. So it's definitely on our radar. I can't yeah. wait to do more research and, and product development in that area, but that's our focus. Like yeah. everything at Pleasure Peaks you'll find uh, is focused on sexual health ailments always. And, you know, another thing I, I learned that. when it came to inclusivity is um, atrophy, atrophy within trans people. So when they're going through transitioning periods and using our products are very helpful for some of my trans friends that I've heard um, feedback from. So I'm really excited for these products, but more so I'm really excited for the advancement of research, right? And product development and inclusivity. Right. Because I find that women and the LGBTQ community are just been left out of research for a very long time and we want to be the one that funds it and Mm -hmm. can look at it from a holistic standpoint so for me being a holistic nutritionist i was always very wary about pharma now we're excited to be partnering with medical communities and doing it the right way so i'm really excited to grow this this company has grown so much so since we've been in the states it's been wonderful and it's been really fun because it's been a lot more relaxed per se, having a hemp business. So now with our new joint venture, we have a new um, licensed cannabis company in Canada, which is so exciting because as a Canadian, um, I've been really lucky and fortunate to watch this industry grow. And I love how they are very medical focused um, in terms of manufacturing practices, in terms of research and development and funding, and, and in terms of global access and access to patients. And those are all things that are really important to me because that's everything that these companies are for me. They are, have always been for patients. They were never about the pot and pussy parties. It's always been about the research <laughs> that needed to happen, right? To make this accessible for patients everywhere. Pot and pussy parties. <laughs> you know, there's so much of them. Welcome to the States. Welcome to- <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're all over the yeah. States and they're tons of fun. And I love to use them to get awareness out there. There's nothing wrong with that, but we do need to take the next step, right? And, um, you know, do what's really right in healthcare. And that's what we, that's where we want to stand. Both need to Mm -hmm. exist. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, both, both are important to exist. You need that, you know, buyer to consumer situation. Mm -hmm. And it's great for like doing in a fun, more communal, uh, kind of environment. But I mean, the research is really key because that's how we move forward. That's how we move product forward. That's how we move those experiences forward. Because, you know, as a person, I I talk about this a lot, but like I come from the East Coast originally. And so it's really, really important for me to have access and that other people have Mm -hmm. access because like I didn't have access. For a long time, I had no access to anything. It's, hey, you're going to wait around for an eight. Maybe, maybe you get it. Maybe they come. You're going to pay like what some random amount. It could be 30 bucks. It could be 60. Like, you know, and you got what you got. It wasn't like Indica and Sativa. Mm-hmm. You're like, you barely that. Like, it, it, you know, and so now that there's access to new products. Like I learned about CBD. I quit cigarettes. I stopped drinking. I was a lot more aware of the things I was putting into my body. Distillate versus solventless. Like, you know, there's all terpenes, all this wealth of knowledge and an entirely different world was open to me. And so I, that's why I came into this industry is because I was, I had endometriosis. I was in the process of being diagnosed And I was battling just horrific pain on a daily basis with a slew of other symptoms. And, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of doctors really think that people with chronic pain are drug seeking. They Mm -hmm. always think like, oh, you're just looking for opioids. And I had, I had one doctor literally say like, you know, would you consider yourself drug seeking? And I was like, I don't even want, I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I just told you I don't want drugs. I want to know what's wrong with me. Like I don't, and I want to be able to treat it in a way that I'm not taking 
a Percocet mm -hmm. every day. I don't want to take opioids. I've seen what that's done. You know, I, I like even, you know, just today they came out with a report that the opioid crisis has progressively gotten worse every single year, especially with the effects of the pandemic. And it breaks my heart. It absolutely does because I, I know, and it's the harshest reality that if I did not have access to cannabis, I would probably be addicted mm -hmm. to opioids. And to have other options and to have research is so, so crucial in this day and age. And so, you know, you say that you want to, to do these different studies. Is there anything in particular that you're hoping to accomplish out of that? Or what would you say is, is um, something you're working toward as your first study? Our first study is to really um, put our, our, um, our formulations to the test. We have done a preliminary study mm -hmm. on endometriosis, and we're finding that the 1 to 3 ratio is the best, so a 10-30, a 10 of THC, and a 30 of CBD. So this is our finding. We want to do specific genetics now is the next step. Uh, we have one in mind wow. that we're working with, and that's that would be our hero drug that we're focusing on that we have the most backing right now, and um, we're really excited to be focusing on, on endometriosis as the beginning, um, because it's just so huge and affects so many people and uh, it's what it's yeah. all about. So yeah, that's where we're going to be starting mm -hmm. in terms of research, but that's just the beginning. Like I mentioned, I cannot wait to do more things in, um, other sexual health ailments for, for all because pleasure is for everyone. Yeah. Right. And I think that's something that we forget about constantly Absolutely. within healthcare. And I'm excited to bring that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why that's why I say quality of life mm -hmm. because it is that improvement of your quality of life, quite literally. And so whenever there's something that can help improve that, that to me is what healthcare is for. It's preventative. It's learning, you know, how can I enhance the life that I'm living to lead the fullest one possible? And I feel like that has been so lost, especially in US healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering you kind of touched on it earlier, but what are some of the the major differences you've seen in trying to operate in the U.S. and in Canada, especially with that kind of, you know, more medical approach in Canada, where in the U.S. it's it's definitely very brand heavy. I do see that continuing. Um, so, so I'm curious, what has your experience been like with that? Yeah, I think that... Um, starting a business in cannabis and looking at the difference between the U.S. and Canada is really hilarious. They are so different. They're drastically different <laughs> and they're right beside each other. And you, th you would think they'd be working together, but that is not the case at all. Um, so yeah, it's been really fun to work on both sides of the border and they both have pros and cons. What I like about being in the States is, and what I do when I mentor students um, to start their own businesses, I always say that if you have a smaller budget in the States, it's really amazing to have an actual product line. If you're looking for something plant touching, um, it, the U.S. is definitely mm -hmm. a lot more affordable in that terms of access point. Um, in Canada, I'm finding that it's almost like a thousand percent more expensive um, on starting a, a business, like a thousand percent, not like two hundred, like a thousand percent more. Wow! Um, to get a product line in um, this in Canada to get anything off the ground, it's incredibly expensive. But they're different. So if you you know wanted to start a medical cannabis company, I don't think the U.S would be the right decision to, to make because I don't think the U.S. has medical grade quality cannabis that we're really looking for in terms of a global access. And if that's what, you know, I think we're all working towards is global medical products like Advil and stuff that are, you know, everywhere. Um, so within that right. aspect, Canada is really the best place to be because we already have those global networks with pharmacies globally and with those research heads globally. I really love what Australia is doing. Huh. Australia is doing, they're not putting any medical cannabis product on the market. It actually, unless it's actually backed by a clinical study. And that's important because I think really? a lot of cannabis brands are just slapping CBD or THC in a product and sending it out there. And I think there's nothing wrong with that in the recreational market if it's you know, sustainable and there's space for you. But in terms of the medical market, mm -hmm. patients deserve more. And I think that's why I'm really excited about 
medical cannabis and the future of it. There are countries that are really having big pushback. France. France is doing a test mm-hmm. right now. They are testing the market to see if it's even worth doing medical cannabis. And I think it's really exciting. And it's really our job, um, in, like industry vets, people who have been here for a very long time, to push forward on why it's so mm-hmm. important. Because I think, you know, in some aspects, yes. Canada has truly forgotten how valuable medical cannabis is, even though we do have an incredible Mm -hmm. medical cannabis practice here, the medical, um, the medical network and actual business and access of patients is, is really, it's going down. It's, it's not growing as it should be. I find that cannabis is a new product. So we should have growing patients constantly, um, for trying it for Mm -hmm. different, for other drugs. But what we're finding is a decline. And I think it's because cannabis medicine is taxed way too high and it's unfortunate. And in Canada, it's the only medicine that's taxed the only one. Um, so I think that, There's still a long way to go in terms of medical cannabis, Uh, but I think that I am so excited for the bright minds that want to enter this industry. I'm always thinking about, you know, one day I hope to inspire someone who can think of cannabis and maybe skincare, dermatology, maybe focus on like skin ailments or someone I can inspire mm-hmm. someone to work on mental health or cannabis and because it's a great neuroprotectant. How about the NFL? There's so many medical applications that are billion dollar industries, which shouldn't be the point, but I feel like that's what gets people awake. I mean, but we got to get people, you know? we got to get people moving somehow. And if, it, if that's going to be it, then, you know, Hey, you can make money, go do it. But <laughs> it's going to help people. And that's the best part. And I think we're, people, I think yeah. that's the funny part. People think like, Oh, the people are making so much money on pot. We can just do it the same. Slap a logo, create a brand. Look at Dan Vazarian, right? And this is not what's going to work in this industry. What's going to work is... That's the ultimate case Patients built this industry and we forget about that. So I think like if you don't know your history, Mm -hmm. it's inevitable to repeat yourself. So... I'm really so happy that I got involved at the time that I did. And it's important that we know our roots Mm -hmm. and grow accordingly. So it's super important for us to have an inclusive um, company that has a medical arm as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That I didn't, I didn't know that about Australia either. That's really crazy. And like, you know, it's, it's fascinating to hear that because so many people would say that even in the States, it's still so expensive to start a plant touching mm-hmm. business, but to even hear that in Canada, it's more, ex- it's yeah. actually more expensive, <laughs> especially to go medical. That's crazy. I mean, it must be crazy money. Mm-hmm. And so when you had to bring together, you know, the people to get, um, pleasure peaks off the ground, like what was that like? And especially you mentioned, you know, building new partnerships and stuff too. Like that must've been crazy. Yeah. I think if, you know, if anybody really wants to learn from my experience is that like, I really started my own career out of cannabis and sex, you know, and you guys can too and whatever it is. But I really, at a very early age, I knew that this was something that patients needed as a holistic nutritionist. After Mm -hmm. that, I just really sought to go to as many conferences and learn from as many doctors as I could on cannabis. And I got to meet so many and network and community and like stay in touch with them, see how the industry progresses Mm -hmm. and be a part of these networks and just learn how the industry progressed. As I started my own personal brand and just doing talks on cannabis and sex, I was able to really attract great partners, people who wanted to work with me, people who were about the fight, including doctors, Harvard grads themselves that really understood it and knew that there was going to be an opportunity there. Um, So I think Mm -hmm. that if you do, if you know that there's something worth fighting for in this industry, you will find people to help you alongside with with that as well. It's just really hard to find like expertise in those very niche areas, but they're not impossible and they are there. And if not time, (laughs) time is everything. They'll turn around, you know? Um, so it was Mm -hmm. really, it's hard to find people who are 
really experts in pharma and to get them into cannabis, right? They weren't very interested in cannabis at all. Um, But the few that were, were worth sticking around and now are loving it and pushing forward uh, medical development. So that's, those are the type of teammates you need and um, community to create within this industry. And I think I did it completely organically and um, it's just finding that passion in this industry. And I think that there's so many lanes to do Mm -hmm. that. And I think that's why it's such a amazing right. place for entrepreneurs who are interested in finding something important to them. I totally, yeah, no, I, and I totally agree. And I think, um, even going back to something you mentioned too, about, you know, having also that advocacy for patients mm-hmm. in this space, it's very tough, you know, when you're going through, when you're experiencing chronic pain, like to get help, is so hard. Mm. Like, you know, you need help. Mm. Like you're aware, trust me, but to actually put movement into that action Mm -hmm. is very difficult. And so a lot of patients just sit in it because they're like, how, what is my next step? Like, how do I get help? And so, you know, it's so crucial. And I have to remind myself of this too. And I know other people do as well, but like when you're able to advocate advocate and especially when you're a patient who can advocate it's really really critical or if you're a person who's an ally of patients like it's so critical to have that because it is so difficult for the actual patients sometimes to be able to move forward and do those things and so also for you to be able to attract so naturally those partnerships and talent like I'm a true believer that when you believe in yourself and believe in your mission you will attract the right people and energy to push it forward. And so like that you are a true example of that. That's like, you have that light and source of energy with you and it so attracted others to come and like support you in that mission. And I, that's beautiful, but you know, being a minority in this space, I'm sure that proved to have its own challenges too. What has that been like? And, and how are some ways that you know, you've overcome that or what are some things that maybe you haven't overcome yet? Maybe you're just like, this is fucking, and yeah, like there is shit that that needs to, that like there's still work that needs to be Mm -hmm. done here. And so, you know, what is that work? Sorry, I just asked you like six (laughs) different questions, but I was like, oh my God, this one. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I think, you know, what has it been like to be a minority in the cannabis industry, especially for so long? You know, I've been in it since like tw- 20, uh, like 13 almost, uh, which is crazy. So mm-hmm. with that being said, there weren't many people that looked like me. And back then in Canada, it was very like hush hush. We had the medical marijuana for access and regulation, the first cannabis program under health Canada. And that program was very weird. The program was, um, (laughs) Oh, basically like if you had a doctor that prescribed cannabis for you, mostly cancer patients and veterans, um, you got a designated grower and you got a grower to grow X number of plants and you had access to pot. And this created this Mm -hmm. loophole for compassion clubs to open up. And, um, it was very interesting to see how some people just knew about how to get cannabis and get away with it. And some people couldn't, right? It's always two sides of the thing. One's medical and they can get away with it. And then one's in, you know, a minority um, centered community and they're completely getting incarcerated for it. Personally, my yep. grandfather was deported for cannabis as a Rastafarian. I didn't learn that really? until later in life, which I think is so fascinating now. Um, and my dad, wow. you know, unfortunately was like a product of the war on drugs and constantly like battling the, that system. And I think, you know, for me to see so many people struggle with drugs and be just going through the war of drugs, unfortunately, specifically through four minorities in my family, it was very, very sad. Um, and yeah, I've had a very negative connotation about drugs. I even had a negative connotation about weed for very long cannabis itself. I always thought it was just for people to get high. It wasn't until I was learning holistic Mm -hmm. nutrition and learning that food is healing. Herbs are healing. Plants are healing. Plants, including cannabis are very healing. And, uh, we just need to know Mm -hmm. how to use them. 
safely. Right. And I think it was just very eye opening slowly, gradually to, you know, finding myself and my self identity being in this space after being very young. Um, I was like 21 trying to start my business. Um, like 19 to 21 when I was first having my first meetings with lawyers, um, to talk about my medical cannabis company that I wanted to start (laughs) so young. And, um, yeah, these, these, these people never took me seriously. I was just like a very young woman of color. Mm -hmm. I needed to, you know, feel that I needed more things and I had to grow my career a little bit more. And I did things so other people felt more comfortable, you know, even though I wasn't comfortable, but I felt like I needed to do because of my patients and because of my business really. And it's unfortunate that minorities have to do those things, but, um, it's literally the world we live in. I talk to my therapist all the time about it because I'm like, sometimes I realize how much pain is in my heart and we don't realize that. And, you know, you can use spewing hate on your competitors or things like that, right? But it's not mm-hmm. us. And it's definitely not right. like I'm so incredibly positive. I don't even keep negative people around me. But there was so much negative this in my heart and I was realizing during Black History Month it's a very touchy time. It's all about black history. Of course, and yeah. you know, for minorities like myself, it's really hard to get our business up and it's very touching, right? So it could it could be a lot and it's it's so much. But you know, being in the cannabis industry, just working in it is so much as well. So it's a lot. It does take a toll. But personally, I can't get enough of it. I think cannabis is the coolest thing. I'm such a geek when it comes to medical cannabis. And I can't stop until I know that patients are truly heard. And I don't think we're right anywhere near yeah. there. I think we're getting close. I think that we're having finally having the conversation at the pharmaceutical level and the, and the clinical trial level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going to be a long, right. long-term play. But I've been here for eight years. So I'm here, I'm here for another eight. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for another eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it is definitely quite the journey and it, it's so, you know, that, that pain it's because you have felt that you need to make yourself mm-hmm. smaller. Like that's what that is. You have to make yourself smaller, but you're also making yourself smaller at the same time. You're doing more work <laughs> to make people feel welcome while you at the same time or you know it, it that's and so while you're making yourself small you're also depleting that energy on someone else to then make it so that they feel as if they can have comfortability in that space and that's not right and that's not the way forward in my opinion mm-hmm. and I think that that's an area that people especially in business can do better because in cannabis those environments are so frequent mm-hmm. of that I, I've noticed that people very much have to make themselves smaller. And I think that, you know, like I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, this this especially is a space where people are celebrated. And I think that we need more spaces like that mm-hmm. of celebration because especially in the States, it's so crazy to, you know, talk about the differences between Canada and the States too. And like, you know, in the States, I really do see this, um, I see this consistency in where things go because a lot of people know that they can feed into a certain stereotype or a certain image and that is how they're going to sell weed. And we've really, really moved away from, you know, how medical cannabis came to be in California. I mean, that was the AIDS epidemic. That was the LGBTQ community. That was trans people coming forward and fighting for cannabis because they were losing people every single day and they couldn't take it anymore. And then, you know, it it spread. And so like, we need to get like, from what you were saying, we do need to go back to those roots. We need to find ways to celebrate those roots and include those roots in what we're doing because cannabis is such an interesting space. It's really for everyone. You look at this past weekend in LA, you know, it was Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl, but it was so adjacent to cannabis because of the NFL. And so, and because of sports and because athletes Mm -hmm. are now starting to be more vocal about 
CBD and cannabis use for pre-workouts and whatnot. And so, you know, it's really, really critical that we have these open conversations and that we have these spaces of celebration for all people who want to be here and leave room for people who want to be here and also not leave that work on minorities (laughs) and not leave Mm -hmm. and not create these spaces where it's suffocating because who does that help? Not minorities. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, it's, I, I do, I, I think that there is a lot of work to be done. And so I was wondering, do you have any advice for, you know, especially like a young woman of color who's coming into this space and might be, might be feeling really intimidated? Like, where do I go next? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like there, you know, I think that there are so many people who do want to help smaller entrepreneurs get in, in the industry. I think it's, we're always eager in this industry. Absolutely. I think it's so fa- it's it's so friendly than any than any other industry. So I feel that reaching out to people and finding your community and your your network and local, just reaching out to see. But it's specific yeah. to what you're doing, right? If you're already doing illustrations That's and marketing, work for a cannabis company that needs that. You know, if you're doing cultivation, mm-hmm. get into like you know, see trimming and start somewhere and get, find those networks there. But it has to yeah. be in alignment with your passions. And I think that's where people forget it. They just take a cannabis job just to take yeah. a cannabis job because they want to work, which is fine. But if you're really looking yeah. for the passion that we're talking about, it's it's really um, it's really about finding those, what you really love and trying to figure out how to make alignment with that every day. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you were saying you were a part of... Um, a group for minorities in Canada, is that still, is that currently still Yeah, operating? so Minorities for Medical Marijuana is just myself currently. We're looking to grow chapters across Canada just so we can share resources. I have a ton of resources because I've been in this space for so long and um, would love to share them with anybody. So if anybody's interested in, you know, starting their own cannabis business, my my doors are always open. My DMs are always open. I sometimes will even open a 15-minute call, and maybe I can even connect you with the person that is best to help you with your next step. Yeah, that's really cool. That's, that's like, that's awesome of you to do that because I do, I mean, especially, like, on Clubhouse, you know, when, when like those rooms were being run, like there are so many people who are so eager to join and who are especially minorities and want to participate in this industry, but have no clue where to start. And so even, you know, taking the, that time out of your day to say, Hey, like I might not actually be the person you need, but like my friend over here, I think that they can help you out. Like, just, like, having, you know, you go to an amusement park and it's, like, roller coasters this way, like, bathrooms <laughs> over here, like, food over there. Like, those, that signage, like, of life would be so helpful. <laughs> it would be, for sure. Like, for for this thing over here, like, go this way. It's like, oh, all right, I'll, get, I'll head that way. But I think so many people even get lost in that moment of, like, well, who do I go to next then? Or like, what is that, what is that next phase? And I, I really saw that through Clubhouse, which I mean, feels obvious, but wasn't until I had that experience. And so, um, yeah, I think that, I think you being able to take time and give direction to people, that's a gift. Like that is an absolute gift. And I mean, I, I should actually probably open that up too ever since, I mean, we don't do the Clubhouse rooms anymore, mm-hmm. so that outlet hasn't really been there for a lot of people, but like that, that I'm like floored because I, that's a huge gift of time to people and direction. And I find that people, that's what they need most in life is that little push for direction and, and the next person who can help them in that baton pass basically of of life and, and networking. But, um, yeah, that's really, that's really incredible. It's like what um, I like to say. This has been. is an, like do what you can with what you have where you are, right? And if you can just do that, you're doing yeah. the most and you're doing, a, you're making a difference and you're, you, you're being a part of yeah. change, right? And um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, isn't that such a, like that, especially on this podcast has already been such a theme is that 
you know, everyone always asks, like, how do I get started? And they see people who seem like these overnight successes, but like, they don't see that I have my laptop stacked on three books and a box from Amazon. <laughs> and it's like, you know, the mess of the outside and the 90 calls I'm gonna have to get on after, you know, like they don't like a lot of people don't see that background. And I don't know what that is. But like, you know, just start, it's gonna be so ugly to begin mm -hmm. with. And that's but that's okay. Like, it's okay to like, make mistakes, it's okay to fail. Like that is what is the thing that ha you have to change your mindset so that you let that failure push you forward instead of halt you and be another hurdle that you have to overcome. Because like, once you just get in the groove, like things are going to get better, you'll start to see like, hey, I need, you know, maybe a better stand for my laptop, or I need a better mic, or I need like, you know, different lighting or whatever those things are like for you that was like for me in my podcast <laughs> but you know whatever those things are for you like you'll start to figure that out you just have to be okay with like you know you have to give yourself permission to go on that journey and to fail and to be okay with like not getting it right the first time yeah I like to say like showing up is half the battle when you get like you know, flustered at work and you feel like you just can't do something. That's what I kind of just do. If you feel like you're just yeah. so floored, you're like, this is the next level of work, you know, that you've never stepped in before. You know, it's really exciting. Yeah. Just show up. Just show up. <laughs> yeah. You'll make it through. You'll learn no, a lot. <laughs> seriously. Yes. There's, there's this incredible story, actually. I won't go too long into it, but you should all definitely look it up. Um, it's about an Olympian who, like, made it into the Olympics. And everyone was kind of mad. They were like, oh, she totally scammed them. But no, like, she just found – she was pretty strategic with it. She found things that she knew she could accomplish and that she knew she could, like, win certain races of or there weren't even enough people to compete. So she would just automatically kind of, like – move forward and stuff and like literally the moral of the story is she just showed up she literally just showed up and got to be in the olympics essentially and i like that is half the battle i didn't show up i'm not in the olympics like could have been <laughs> i mean i don't know Pro like could've, i could have been apparently but like you know props to her and i i think that that really is it if you you know don't have everything yet just mm -hmm. be there. Just you being there can get you to the Olympics, apparently. So, <laughs> so, it's a good one. so, you know, whatever that is for you, I'm, I'm telling you, read this story. It's pretty incredible. It's, you're going to be like, damn, like, but you're also going to be like, damn. <laughs> to know. I love it. That was so clever. There's so many cool, yeah. funky stories um, in this industry. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one because I want you guys to critically think about cannabis. And it's one of my favorite yeah. stories. And I go to all of these cannabis conferences all around the world that I meet all these cool people. And I remember meeting this one guy and he handed me a toothpick in Atlanta, Georgia. And this tiniest event. And he handed me this toothpick. And I was like, why are you handing me this toothpick? And he was like, it's infused. And I was like, oh my God, no way. This must be the stupidest cannabis infusion I've ever seen. A toothpick? Why? You know? And he's just like, really? Because I'm selling it to hospitals right now. And I'll tell you, the elderly put the toothpick under their tongue. And if you put it there for 10 seconds, they'll start salivating. And it's really helping them swallow their pills, which is really difficult. So they found a medical huh. application out of a toothpick in hospitals and I think that is so wow. exciting and they're called moon picks of course <laughs> and I am excited and something as little as that I, I really don't think infusing toothpicks are expensive at all and anyway I don't I couldn't imagine right. them being um, but what a huge market and I think that's so exciting and I want you guys to think of where do you think is cannabis really is the next medical application or in, invention because I'm always excited about that I love that. I love always thinking of what's the next new thing. All right. <laughs> to start to close us out then, I would love to know based off of that, what are some of the cannabis things that are in your bag? What do you use? What would you love for other people to use? And it can also just be any like fun tip or trick you have to make 
uh, your smoking or consumption experience in general more enjoyable. Yeah, I, you got to have our cannabis suppositories, of course. Our suppositories are the yes. best thing. I use them all the time. How do you not have suppositories I love in your bathroom? You I know, I have them all the time, whether it's just like menstrual cramps or pre-sex or, mm-hmm. you know, just like fighting off just like a, you know, feeling that like maybe a UTI will come on. These things are just so great yeah. to have in your purse. So in my bag is definitely a pack of suppositories. I always need a vape pen because um, I'm always like in and out of meetings and sometimes, you know, you can't smoke in places and I like that they're very discreet. (laughs) (laughs) And um, in my bag are joints, joints for the evening because I love joints and I'll smoke anywhere, but during the day I can't. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. No, perfect. (laughs) Totally feel that. Um, No, I love suppositories. I was so Mm -hmm. intimidated by the idea of it. I like had never heard of that before, but I had seen another like endometriosis cannabis woman talking about it. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'll try it. And I have never looked back. It is the most, I like everyone asks me what's my number one recommendation Mm -hmm. for like cannabis and endometriosis. And they always think it's going to be like, Oh, like Ken dog (laughs) X, Y, G for you. And I'm like, no, it's just, it's, it's honestly a, a CBD THC suppository because I have tried just THC and I have tried just CBD mm-hmm. and neither of them worked as well as like those those blends. The that entourage spectrum. effect. Um, <laughs> like it's really the entourage mm-hmm. effect. And so, you know, it's um, the whole plant is so important, at least for me mm-hmm. personally in that experience and how I felt. So if you haven't tried a suppository and you've been intimidated by it, I mean, we're both like... Oh, it's the best thing ever. And personally, I felt like they weren't intimidating vaginally. I was like, hell yeah, let's try them. I love suppositories. But trying the suppository anally was definitely a whole other thing for me that I had to push through with. But I say, if you ever, you know, having issues with trying suppositories anally, a little lube, a lot of lube, a lot of lube, it just is going to help that go a lot more easier and cleaner and you can enjoy it that way. So... So, you know, just some tips and tricks for you guys at home, especially since it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to have to bring you back on because we're going to have to have a full on mm-hmm. like endo episode for March or something. To. I mean, like I would love to. I we can, can bring the doctors. Like, you know, these kind of products. Yeah. Oh my God. That would be so cool. Yes. We could do like a whole panel oh, yeah. or something. That'd be amazing. Oh my God. Okay. We're already, we're getting too much. We'll be back next month. (laughs) Yeah, no, this was so fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. I know your schedule's crazy. Um, so I appreciate you, but like, again, this is to celebrate you, the work that you're doing. I, I really love it. And you know, everyone, please, please check out all like her different businesses, um, pleasure peaks. And then, you know, any, all of the other stuff you can find her on Instagram, it's Antoinette mm-hmm. G, right? Um, maybe A-N-T-U-A-N-E-T-T-E. Wait, I may have. Yes, G. There. <laughs> Sorry. I'll put it on the screen. We'll spell yeah. it out for you guys. But please follow her on Instagram. Check out all her amazing products. If you're in Canada or the U.S., yeah. um, and thank you again so much. Um, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Black History Month, and soon it will be Women's Month and, and yeah. Endometriosis Month. So we have so many things to celebrate and talk about that are so timely. But, you know, these are also things I do just, like, have to put it out there. These are things that people deal with year-round, like, whether it's health-related, whether it's the people we literally just are. Like, these are things that we celebrate mm-hmm. all year and, you know, want to work toward all year. So whatever time of month it is, especially if it is your time of the month. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? You know, we definitely celebrate you and give you a little bit of a, I, lit- I did literally start my period yesterday. I was like, how opportunity? Yeah, right, of course. <laughs> like, it's like great, it's like great timing. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much to be here. I give you flowers. I'm going to have to get your address so I can send you real flowers and... Um, thank you. Thank you all for being on another episode 
Or send us flowers and we will see you next time. Thanks so much.